before we get to today's episode, we have a quick message from our sponsor. This episode of the Glossy Podcast is sponsored by Stitch Labs, an operations management platform for modern brands. If you're a growing brand looking to streamline your operations, Stitch Labs is here to help. Brands like Brooklinen and Thinks are using Stitch to do some amazing things like opening up pop-up stores and setting up international warehouses successfully in incredible timelines. Learn more at stitchlabs.com. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-L-A-B-S, helping brands execute on big ideas quickly. Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes, and today's episode, Annika Meller, the COO and co-founder of Anina Bing, discusses building a brand on Instagram, the power of influencer marketing, and how a digital fashion brand can use traditional channels to grow. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Annika. Hi. Thanks for coming in. So so you've been working, obviously, uh, with, with Anina Banks since she launched her brand in 2012. Is that right? That's right. But you didn't have a background in fashion. How did you How did you get involved? How did you get started? So my background is within marketing and brand marketing specifically. And um, I'm from Sweden originally, from Stockholm. And Anina, she's born in Denmark, but grew up in, in Sweden. So I was introduced to Anina by a mutual friend and that's how we got connected and, and started. Great. And, and so what was she looking for? I think we've seen a few iterations of quote unquote influencer brands over the past uh, five or, or 10 years. And with her with her brand, what did she you know, what, what did she want from, from you to, you know, in order to, to kickstart it and, and get the business moving? I think when you start a business, you need a couple of things in people. You need someone who's a generalist and who is willing to ro- roll up his or her sleeves and do a lot of different things. I mean, in, in the beginning, we did absolutely everything. We answered customer emails. We packed orders. We obviously worked on strategy as well. Um, so I think she saw in me that, that I could fulfill all of those different roles. Uh, and um, yeah, we've been a fantastic team right from the start. Right. And and so how would you describe the business since when it first launched compared to to now it's grown it's grown a lot over the few years yeah so a little bit about Anina's background um, she was um, an influencer within the social media space mm-hmm. from the early 2000s so she had built this fantastic community over years and she had a blog that was quite famous in Scandinavia and and so she could see that these women they really came to her for style advice and they reached out to her to know how to pair denim and, and jackets and and so she took her unique street style and, and turned it into to this brand. Uh-huh. And so right from the get-go, we were a community-led brand and we used social media and specifically Instagram, actually, to launch the brand and, and spread the awareness of the line. And we had this fantastic and unique relationship with these women from, from the start. Um, right. Can you break down how exactly you launched a brand on Instagram uh, in, in 2012. I imagine it's yeah. very different than, than that would look like now. So 
So what, you know, how, how did you get about, you know, just getting the visibility out there, building the awareness and, and launching on that platform? Yeah, so this was in 2012. And I would say that it was right around that time that Instagram started to become popular. Yeah. Um, so we we had great timing in that regard. When when we first launched, I believe Anina had 9,000 followers on Instagram. And now mm. we're almost, um, you know, up to seven 700,000 or something. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, timing was great. And then we also quite naturally and organically, we found women who really like to wear the brand. So other influencers and and um, girls who really like the clothing and organically wore it and, and they helped spread the awareness of the brand. So we use that platform to interact and have customer feedback right on our phones uh-huh. daily. And we could see an instant movement, you know, the minute Anina was wearing something new or we could see what the customer actually really liked and and help us give direction. Yeah, so so early on you're using that yeah. that customer insight. Uh, how would you? But it was going out to that influencer network. So how did you kind of build like that customer profile from the outset to then take it out to, you know, off of Instagram, out of out of this network of of, of people that she was working with, uh, and kind of more into the the real world to, to other people. Yeah, so I think you know the women who wore the brand from the start also was our genuine customer, um, and so we we spread awareness that way, and you know it has a trickle down effect. Whoever follow uh, these influencers, they also have friends who follow them, mm-hmm. and they became genuine customers. Who who, who shopped online? We we started with a website, and then a couple of years later, we opened our first store in in Los Angeles, and and you know with that spreading the brand awareness throughout social, and then and then obviously throughout different platforms that that really worked. Right, you can then see the store and be like, oh, I, I heard about that on Instagram. Yeah. Here it is, it's real. <laughs> yeah, and we really, I mean, even to today, we're using Instagram every day mm. to promote the new products that we're launching. We, we're launching new products every Tuesday, and so we can create our own foot traffic, and we see that, you know, we when Anina is wearing something new, women are actually stepping into our stores a couple of hours later and asking for those specific products. Oh, interesting, because I was going to ask now compared to 2012 a very you know a lot of things have changed on Instagram is there still power in organic promotion or is it mm-hmm. are you doing more paid uh, promotion on Instagram as well or, or coupling that like how do you sort of connect the dots whenever it's something a little bit more you, you know less tangible tangible whenever it's just uh, Anina wearing something rather than a, a full yeah. promotion. How, how do you make sense of all of that? So, I mean, it's it's uh, quite complex. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that we are, you know, truly an organic brand and that's what we, that's where our major focus is on. We're testing the waters with paid marketing and acquisition, but we, we try to be careful with that. I mean, it's a slippery slope as yeah. pretty much everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but Instagram and Facebook, specifically Instagram, is working really well for us, um, organic, but also somewhat paid. Right. And so how would you describe the, the organic strategy? Are you like working with influencers in a way that they're not being paid? Like, how do you make sure that 
if you have like goals to hit, yeah. but you're not putting money behind it, how yeah. do you make sure you're hitting them? So we have an ambassador program with women that we feel is very much on brand mm-hmm. um, and um, women that are genuinely our customers. Uh, we haven't paid any influence ever, but we do see the product. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what we've, what we've seen over the years that it's not all about how many followers you have. It's about the engagement of their audience. Uh-huh. So we're, you know, we're trying to pick women that represents our customer and, and our customer, she ranges from 25 to 60. And we we want to make sure that we have a good mix of, of women that we that we bring into this ambassador program. Right. So is influencer marketing, uh, you know, whether it's paid or unpaid or more just about seeding the product, is that as powerful now as as it was, you know, three to five years ago. How have you seen that the power of the influencer shift over time, especially as you ha- like Anina's background since yeah. it right right in that network and, and has that power organically coming from the brand itself and then you can sort of build that network out. But as brands, legacy brands are are trying to get involved as well and you know, is it is it what it used to be? No, it's become more saturated, um, definitely. And and I think in the beginning we could, you know, it was such a huge effect. One, you know, when when some of these influencers wore the brand. I think our unique point of view helps us a lot, and obviously having Anina being the face of the brand, right. it it you know it means everything to us, mm-hmm. and no one can can showcase the brand better than what she can. Right. Um, so that has been super powerful for us and continues to be. But I think again, it's about having having a good audience that you select that makes sense for your brand because it needs to be authentic and it needs to be genuine and and that's what we're putting a lot of focus on. Right. So so how's the brand grown uh, with you mentioned offline retail there are there are physical stores. It's interesting because we've seen you, you know I think the influencer brand category oftentimes you're partnering you have these people partnering with another retailer to kind of get that boost uh, but this has been you know built as a, a standalone brand from the beginning but how have you sort of mapped out the growth strategy in order to scale it as as a business and, and have it almost graduate from that influencer category yeah so it came very natural to us when we we started off in a small tiny little garage in Silver mm-hmm. Lake and with no heating or no air conditioning and you know we were literally sitting on the floor packing all orders and then one year later we moved into to a space downtown in Los Angeles and you know at the beginning it was just the three of us and it was this huge space 4,000 square foot or something like that and um, we're, we're still there but in the beginning we decided then okay because we started to see all these customer requests coming in and they wanted to touch and feel the product so we started with a program by appointment only where our customer could actually come to our office and try the clothes on and, and shop uh-huh. from our little showroom and that just grew and grew and we had long long waiting lists and when an opportunity um, arised for a small space on in West Hollywood we we decided that we wanted to open our first store and right from the start we could see that the the retail space was super successful for us not only to obviously sell our, our product but also for Anina to meet her audience I said earlier that we're a community-led brand and we truly are so they become this really great arena for Anina to to meet her her customer and the women who who loves the brand 
Um, we get an opportunity to let them step into the world of Anina mm-hmm. and and really experience the lifestyle of the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so they we we got early indications that this was the right move, and then we've we've grown over the years, obviously, and and started to open more and more stores. So and how many stores are there now? Ten, um, and we're planning on opening about four more this year. Awesome. Uh, so you mentioned the word the word community. We hear that so often with brands yeah. that start online. I think that, you know, that's how brands want to imagine their customers. Uh, how do yeah. you how do you define like what is a real community? Like what what do you how do you incorporate that into the business model and the strategy in a way that it, it kind of pushes it just beyond like okay, this is a fun word to yeah. for our, what are no, just our it's customers. definitely a buzzword. Uh-huh. Um, but we we let our customers into the design process. We've had you know multiple examples of we actually ask our customer what you know color shoe we should design next, what she likes. We ask uh, what kind of fabric we should choose between. Um, so we we bring them in all the time, and this is also something we're doing more of this year. And I think again we have all these fantastic events that we invite you know not only celebrities and influencers. And and, and all of that, but we we really invite our customer in to to meet with Anina and the rest of the team and and give us that feedback that you know nothing is more important than their than their honest feedback. We'll be right back. If you're a growing brand, you've probably heard that an ERP is the next step in your operations. But in this fast-changing world of e-commerce, you can't afford to lose the agility, speed, and innovation that got you to where you are today. That's why today's fastest growing brands are using Stitch Labs as their operations management platform to streamline complex operations without losing flexibility and speed. Whether you're looking to open up a pop-up store, run effective pre-order campaigns, or expand internationally, Stitch Labs is here to help you execute on every crazy big idea quickly and at scale. Visit stitchlabs.com to learn more. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-L-A-B-S dot com, helping brands turn their operations into their biggest advantage. Hey, Glossy listeners, my name is Danny Parisi, and I am so excited to announce our special mini-series, Glossy Trend Watch. As a fashion reporter here at Glossy, I spend a lot of time writing about the trends that are leading and shaping the industry. Starting this Friday, March 15th, I will dig into one of the biggest movements in recent fashion history, the rise of streetwear. For our first episode, I sit down with industry veteran and founder of Greats, Ryan Babenzine, to find out how streetwear has evolved over the years and why he would argue that streetwear is dead. You can catch the first episode of Glossy Trend Watch right here in the Glossy Podcast feed this Friday. To stay up to date with the latest podcasts from Glossy, be sure to subscribe and leave us any feedback you have. Now, back to the episode. So it seems like to build a to build a community around a brand, it's really important to have it be driven by a, a person, like have yeah. that, that personality driven brand. What do you think that means for brands that have been, you know, traditionally kind of faceless? Like if you don't have that personal pull to drive people in and, and give them a reason to come to the store, just build excitement around the brand and and have it, you know, peg around events. How, you know, do you think that that's going to separate the brands that have success going forward as in such a saturated market and the brands that, that might uh, more easily fade away? Yeah, I think it's room for both. Uh-huh. Um, and it depends on your point of view and, and the brand's aesthetic. Um, I think for us, you know, having Anina being that persona of the brand has been super impactful and continues to be, as I mentioned. But at the same time, we 
focus a lot on the customer experience. And I think if you don't have that, then you should focus even more on it. (laughs) Because I think that is ultimately what's going to set you apart. It's something that the customer nowadays just expect uh, to get that sort of white glove experience. And and that in combination with with having a unique point of view has been been very powerful for us. Mm -hmm. And that applies obviously to both when you come into a store and online. So how would you describe the online experience and and how it's set apart and especially when it comes to selling directly to customers and you have some retail partners as well. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So how do you make sure that the the experience is the same, whether they are shopping online on the website or in a store or through another retail partner? I think, first of all, our strategy behind launching new products uh, ties them all together. So every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., we drop new new clothes. Um, we have a classic collection that's evergreen and always in stock. And then we sort of sprinkle in these fashion pieces every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So that is true for our online uh, presence and our stores, but also our retail partners, our wholesale partners, ultimately. So that is something that creates this demand from our woman. She wants to come back and check what's new for, for that week. I think also the lifestyle behind the brand. Um, you know, we have obviously our aesthetic and and um, our picture material online goes very well hand in hand with what our stores look like. And mm-hmm. we just launched with Nordstrom, for instance, and we bring in those elements to those, those uh, stores as well. So we're hoping to, to tie it all together and, and give that um, omni-channel experience. Right. That's interesting because I, I think a lot of the brands that have these pretty rapid release schedules have done so because the, they had the ability to do it themselves because retail partners haven't traditionally operated that way. So how did mm. you figure out a way to work that that Tuesday schedule in with a, with a retail partner? Like if you go into a Nordstrom... Tuesday and then the next Tuesday will the collection look different? No, I mean they will be re-merchandising it I believe uh-huh. differently to, to sort of uh, keep up with that schedule but uh, we ship uh, so that they have it in time um, before some of the launches. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and then when whenever the customer sees it how are you planning out your own schedule? Like what what how do you time everything perfectly? Well, um, we uh, tend to do a lot of different things when we launch new styles. So we have newsletters going out. We're obviously pushing a lot of the content uh, through our social channels. Uh, we change out the imagery on our website and re-merchandise in stores as well. So it's a lot of different touch points where our customer get to to see what new. and, and But first and foremost, we're really using um, Instagram as, as that tool to mm-hmm. push news. So the, the Instagram role has has evolved over time, but yeah. it's still there. It's super important. Uh, and so, tell me more about the the product selection and how that's grown. I know it started with just a few a few products, and yeah. I think that where a lot of brands that start out pretty niche and, and really curated get into trouble is they they push too far or they expand in a way where you know you start to lose that that customer connection and that that really strong point of view how do you make sure because there's in, in addition to the the um, 
the products every Tuesday, there are, are new categories that have been introduced as well, right? So how do you do that in a way that, that's smart and still makes sense for the customer? Well, um, first of all, every product that we design into needs to be something that Anina is generally passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants to feel, you know, amazing every time she puts something new on. So that's kind of the, the North Star for everything that we design. Uh, we we don't follow trends, I would say. Anina has her unique style that we design into. And so um, even though you know in addition to the classic collection we have six collections that's launching throughout the year and then we do these weekly drops and they have their own storytelling and their their point of view but they're still very much within the effortless style that Anina has has become known for right and and then how do you gauge customer feedback whenever a new category is released or products are are launched. Uh, you mentioned customers have a pretty, you know, strong voice in, yeah. in that in that design process. I mean, sometimes we tease products. So Anina would wear something before we've actually launched it. So that's a very very good indication uh-huh. whether they're excited about it or not. And then we, you know, just the amount of comments and emails that we're getting, and we also sell out quite quickly because mm-hmm. in some of these styles we have limited stock. So, you know, it's waiting lists, and and we can. And generally see how how interested they are in a product and whether we should come back with that same product, but maybe in a new colorway or you know something like that. Mm-hmm. And how has that influenced how you've grown the team? Um, it, you know, in house at the brand, do you have people in place whose job it is to just look for these comments and then figure out a way to take what customers are saying back to the design process? Who are you working with on a daily basis? Yeah, so we have a fantastic marketing team um, and um, a few people who's focused on social obviously we have a really great customer experience team and we're still you know we're 60 plus employees so we still have the the ability to talk between different teams and see each other every day so it's it's a great line of communication between the different teams and and um, the design team I see them constantly out there in the mm-hmm. in the sort of big open space and and asking for that customer feedback right does it still feel like a startup brand to some degree yes uh-huh. I think, you know, over the last few years, we, we've grown quickly, but I think what's Anina and Nikolai, who's our CEO, and myself, what we have in common is the fact that we really like the startup space and we like to be nimble and we want to be, even though we're putting more and more processes in place, we want to make sure that we always leave room to think outside of the box and challenge the you know industry standards and being able to move fast if we need to be. So that's a mindset that, that we all have and that we're also looking for in the in the people that we bring in bring in. Right. And I and I think that having that that blank slate, that that small team that's able to react quickly for a fashion brand has just become increasingly important as fashion has sped up. So how mm-hmm. do you and the business has, has grown pretty quickly over the yeah. last few years. The revenue is that it doubled last year or Yeah, so we're doubling year over year. Yeah. Um, we don't speak to specific numbers, but it's it's going well. <laughs> right. So how do you maintain that spirit as as things are, are moving quickly? Like how do you just make sure like you mentioned there's more there's processes, but is there a process for 
kind of holding on to the startup spirit even as the business grows. Yeah, and and I mean that comes that into the interview process ultimately and making sure that the everyone that you bring in uh, gets excited about these kind of opportunities and mm-hmm. and it shows quite quickly in an interview and you ask them different questions on how they would react in certain situations etc. So so right. that's quite quickly, you know, something that you can pick up on. Right. And what about being in LA, you know, there it seems like there's a a fashion, you know, group of fashion startup brands that are that are out there. How has that setting kind of you know influenced the brand's growth as as well as the opportunities that are presented? How are you s- sort of carving out that that space for for the headquarters? Yeah, so LA is you know such a creative melting pot, and I think for both Anina and myself and, and Nikolai, who's from Scandinavia, we felt that when when we first started the brand. You know, the American culture is to really to cheer you on and be like, go get it. You, we know you can succeed. And uh. I think that encouragement has, has been the right from the start, with which obviously motivates you. So I think starting up in Los Angeles was really, really important for us. Um, and obviously over the years, you know, we see now that LA is just getting uh, cooler and cooler by the day. So um, yeah, it was. We, we love it there. And, and um, yeah, it's been a good place for us. Right. And so, so looking ahead at this, at the rest of this year, how do you sort of prioritize? I'm sure there's That's there's a lot, a lot to do. To do. <laughs> so when you're looking at things like you know driving, like you said, customer awareness and customer acquisition, paired with influencer marketing, paired with store expansion. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you make sure those things are all firing at the same time? Good question. <laughs> well, um, so we have a lot of different initiatives in place. So ob- obviously opening more retail stores, our own brick and mortar uh, is is on that list. Um, and that helps with brand awareness and and um, spreading the word of the brand uh, overall. Um, we're testing digital marketing. We also want to put more focus on brand marketing. So uh, testing out a few more traditional marketing campaigns um, is something we're, we're looking to do and I think overall like we we touched upon it before but we we are are a direct-to-consumer brand but we also sell through wholesale and we see that our presence in wholesale has a halo effect on our direct-to-consumer business mm-hmm. so making sure that we select the right partners I mentioned Nordstrom before we're super excited to be there and and again just spreading awareness and and through our community uh, help grow the brand right it's and, and you said traditional brand marketing is that like print magazine those, those types of channels yeah so it's a combination I mean we haven't uh, exactly nailed down what it's going to look like but it could be for instance that we open a new store in a new city Um, we do billboards we do a catalog Um, we simultaneously obviously go after that customer with digital marketing and also our organic social press and influencer marketing you know basically um, doing a lot of things at the same time right and I and I think what do you think that says about where fashion is now in terms of you have the you know, we we kind of consider like the traditional, the old guard, you know, the wholesale retailers like a department store, um, a billboards out of home, uh, traditional print um, and marketing levers to pull. But then you also have this other side of the business that's super modern. It's customer facing. You're you're using Instagram to launch new products. 
Do you think that the future of fashion is going to be those two sides working together, or is is digital eventually just going to to outpace uh, the traditional? I think you need to do a bit of both. Um, I think our customer she roams freely, and we want to make sure that wherever she uh, is interacting with with the brand, we want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think going back to what I talked to before, you know, customer experience is everything, and that also goes for marketing to some degree. Um, and so we want to make sure that if she gets, you know, something in her mailbox, that it's actually something she wants to read whether it's a catalog or a newsletter, whether it's, you know, um, Anina speaking directly to that customer through an event or, you know, someone else who really meets the, 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 the aesthetic of the brand. I think, I think that's important to do a bit of both. Right. So how do you see the brand looking differently today than it had it been started 20 years ago? Like, what do you think are the distinguishing traits that make Anita Bing a modern brand that wouldn't have been possible? And, and how do you plan to use that as well as, you know, fashion's more more traditional pillars to drive it forward as it's as it's growing? I mean, we've gone our own way in the sense that we've really listened to our own voice. We don't design really for anyone else than ourselves. Um, we've put a lot of focus on building that modern wardrobe that every modern dynamic women on the go woman on the go needs. Uh, so we don't tend to overcomplicate things. We launched with a see now, buy now strategy, um, and this was six years ago. That's now becoming more and more popular for right. even the more traditional brands and I think that's in that instant gratification that we're giving the woman out there is is something that that um, has been very very important for us and you know we see ourselves as our own customer we're, we're right in our own target group so we know the way that we want to shop and and we cater to that right awesome well thank you so much this was really fun thank you We hope you enjoyed the episode. A special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast. As a thank you for listening, we're passing along a limited time introductory offer on a three-month subscription to Glossy Plus. Glossy Plus members access unlimited stories, exclusive research, and more. Join today for just $49. That's $80 off by entering the code intro at checkout at glossy.co slash subscribe. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have.